visiting the monastery during the period of a meditation retreat. It's a very good opportunity to think about the Buddhist teachings more deeply. Think about how they apply to us in our lives. It's very easy to you know, be Buddhist in name. Maybe somebody asks you, say, well, I like the Buddhist teachings. Uh, some of the things the Buddha said I think are very good. Uh, or we just say, I'm a Buddhist. And then they say, well, what did the Buddha teach? And we think, mm, uh, <laughs> not sure. What did the Buddha practice? Um, not sure. Often we can have a more superficial understanding of the teachings and we can have the label, I'm Buddhist. But of course, these teachings are to help us to actually be happier and more peaceful in our lives, in our hearts. So to regularly uh, listen to Dhamma, come to temples, read Dhamma books, listen to Dhamma teachings. This is very helpful to us, to remind us of the teachings, remind us of the path of practice. Because life is uh, uncertain and it's very easy for us to, you might say, lose our way, uh, getting caught up into the uh, needs of family and work and these other things uh, but to forget where the real source of happiness is which is our own hearts and minds so to keep coming back to the Dhamma teachings to keep thinking about them trying to use them in your daily life and we can practice uh, generosity every day of our life if we have the right attitude, you can make it a, a habit, a good habit in your life. And then you get the benefit from that. Uh, the joy of helping others as well as oneself. And we can practice mindfulness every day. We can become more aware of our speech, our actions, and try and see if there's anything we need to adjust to uh, live more peacefully within ourselves, more peacefully with other people, more harmoniously, and to just see where we can bring the Dhamma into our hearts, into our daily lives, to help maybe remedy some of the stresses, some of the sufferings and difficulties and challenges of living in the world. In one reflection the Buddha gave always said to well to consider karma, you know, the karma that we make every day. We're receiving the fruits of our karma every day, our old karma, past karma, and we're making fresh karma every day. It's all bringing results. Right? Where, where does the future come from? It comes out of the present. So what we're doing today will give its results today and 
in subsequent days, maybe deep into the long into the future, the things we do day by day will give their result back to us. Also, we're experiencing the fruits of our past karma, aren't we? And you know, if we find we, we've achieved a certain level of happiness in our life, some success, material success, we have some happiness in our family, in our personal life, and this is the fruits, results of our past karma. Sometimes it's possible to kind of stagnate, you could say. We don't uh, consider the importance of making more good karma, just kind of ride along as we are. And sometimes even possible to go backwards, end up more uh, stressed, experiencing more unhappiness in different ways through our actions, yes. unhappiness that we bring on ourselves. It's possible. So we can never really be complacent and think, oh, I've done enough in my life. You know, there's always more we can do. And the teachings are one way we can help to keep looking at our lives and see what we need to do. When we do more, we say we do more, well, what more can we do? Well, what, where can I improve and develop myself, cultivate myself? In the time of the Buddha, uh, the Lady Visaka was one of the disciples that the Buddha praised for one who was dedicated to the Dhamma. Uh, a very generous, kind lady, but also very dedicated to meditation and helping others to see the value of Dhamma practice. Always trying to bring her family members to practice Dhamma, to listen to Dhamma, visit the Buddha. When she was married, as is the, as was the custom in those days, uh, she was married to a, a young man of good family, who her parents and the parents of the young man agreed uh, this marriage should take place. So she didn't have much choice in it, uh, and she went to live in the house of her husband, who was the son of a millionaire. So it's a wealthy household, you might say a, a good good marriage, good fortune to be married. But the father of her husband, so her father-in-law, didn't have any faith in the Buddha. He uh, had faith in what we call a, a sect of naked ascetics. Say practitioners who go around wearing no clothes and uh, observe very tough practices maybe and wear no clothes with certain beliefs but different belief system and different way of practice from Buddhism um, and they were actually very much against the Buddha so they're always trying to discourage their patron uh, Wisaka's father-in-law from going to see the Buddha and telling him oh that would be very bad if you went to see the Buddha you'll lose your way so he was never interested in the Buddhist monks or going to see the Buddha. So this was a problem for Wisaka because she did have great faith in the Buddha. She was already a Sotapanna. And every day 
uh, out of her duty, she would uh, arrange breakfast for her father-in-law and he'd sit in the courtyard of the house having the best rice porridge. Maybe not as good as Kun Oi's rice porridge, I don't know. But <laughs> the best rice porridge with the best fruits and vegetables. And he'd sit there very happily eating and she'd wait on him, look after him. But every day, um, Buddhist monks would walk past. They'd walk past seeking alms with their alms bowl. And he'd always ignore them, even though he's a very rich man and could easily have shared some food. He ignored them out of uh, faith in his teachers, the naked ascetics. And Wisaka was always trying to encourage him to invite them in for food, but he never listened, was never interested. Until one day, she was uh, sitting with him. She was actually fanning him. It was a hot day, so she, she was fanning him. You know, a very kind thing to do to her father-in-law. He was eating, and a Buddhist monk came to the gateway of the house, the courtyard, and she moved to make sure that he, the, the father-in-law could see the monk waiting with his bowl, his empty bowl. And he pretended he couldn't see the monk. And finally she thought well, it's time to say something. So she told the monk, she said, please, venerable sir, just move on. Uh, the owner of this house, uh, is only, he's only got stale old food. Uh, so please move on. So the monk moved away and then her father-in-law flew into a rage because he's a very proud man, very rich, wealthy, had the best of everything, one of the wealthiest men in the country. He flew into a rage, who are you to tell me I'm eating old stale food, I eat the best food. <laughs> uh, and he dismissed her. And in his rage, he threatened to chuck him out of the household to go back to her family, which probably wouldn't have bothered her a bit because she was quite happy with her own family and she was having to work hard with the, the non-Buddhist uh, Megara, this millionaire. Nevertheless, everyone else in the household really loved her because they recognized her good qualities and they were grateful for all the good things that she did and her kindness. So both family members and servants pleaded. Uh, first of all, they had to plead with her because she said, oh, I'm off, <laughs> I'll go back. He's dismissed me, I'll go back home. They all pleaded with her to stay. She said, oh, please, please, be patient with him. He's, you know, he's a bit grumpy. But then he said, oh, she should go. Then they all pleaded with him. and said, oh, please don't send her away. She's such a good person. Uh, maybe there's a misunderstanding. So they... He called her in and uh, said, well, how can I let you stay here? You've insulted me, saying I'm just eating old stale food in front of the monk. And she explained when she said old stale food, what she meant was, is a sort of sim symbolic statement, meaning that this man is using up his old karma, his, the fruits of his old good karma, that brought him to be born into a wealthy family and made a lot of money through business in this lifetime. That's all the fruits of his old karma from past lifetimes. 
But in this lifetime, he's not making any good karma or very little. He's just using up his old karma. That was what she meant. So it's actually a very profound statement, a Dhamma teaching. And that struck him. He sat down and thought, hmm, maybe there's something to this. And that gave her her opening to start talking about the Buddha and his teachings. And eventually she persuaded him to meet with the Buddha and later on even to invite the Buddhist monks to the house every day. And at first he was embarrassed because of his faith in the other ascetics. So he would uh, cover himself up with a curtain and just there'd be a hand would appear through the curtain and put food in the monk's bowl. And then he'd pull his hand back just so no one could see him because he's a bit ashamed for his old, from his old teachers and friends in that religion. But eventually he uh, became a fully uh, supportive supporter of the Buddha and he would go and see the Buddha and openly support the Sangha and make a lot of good karma, listening to Dharma and even practicing meditation. It's just a simple story, but it illustrates the point that we're living partly on our old good karma, the fruits of it. You know, the fact if you're living in Australia, you know, it's a city, a country with um, a good standard of living, it's peaceful, there's lots of space, open space, not too crowded, there's plenty of food and other resources for people to use to live. There's plenty of wealth, there's education system, medical help, good roads and so on. You know, we can always make it better, but it's by the standards of the world, it's very comfortable. And in our own lives, I'm sure we could always have more, but if we've got enough to eat and we've got a place to live, we're not starving, we're not struggling. You know, that's our good karma, our good karmic result has brought us to this point but then that won't necessarily last forever Your karma can run out as it were you can use it up you know, like money in the bank you can use it up if you don't keep adding to it where gradually the, the total goes down until it's finished karma is a bit like that if we don't keep making fresh good karma new karma then it it can gradually kind of wear out its results start to fade and maybe uh, more negative karma might start to give its results. Or maybe we just lose our way and just start making negative karma little by little. And you can see that can happen so easily in our lives. You know, just We can still have everything we need. We have food and shelter and a, a peaceful country or peaceful city we're living in and still we can end up getting very stressed <laughs> in our lives. Stress with work, stress with relationships. How does that come about? It comes about through karma, maybe the karma of a lot of negative thinking and not reflecting on our lives very deeply, not being very mindful of what we're doing and what we're thinking. Over time that can have a cumulative effect and you know we can Sometimes get very angry with other people. We can get depressed, we can get upset, we can sometimes our greed gets the better of us and we do things, we make mistakes because of our greed or our ambition and we 
get in trouble with others or in trouble with the law or all kinds of possibilities because we haven't been looking after our minds, not watching and learning and seeing where we're maybe making negative karma and trying to stop that, change that and maybe not making much good karma. Now these are things, the areas we have to look at in our life. This is what Buddha, Buddhism and the Buddhist teachings are pointing to for us to look at in ev every day in our life. You know, what am I doing in my life? How do I live? How do I relate to other people? How do I relate to the world around me? How do I spend my time? You know, this is all part of Dhamma practice. It's not just sitting quietly on a meditation cushion with your eyes closed. That's not the whole of the practice. That's you might say the, the heart of the practice. But then there's also these other supportive factors and important things we have to do. We have to reflect on the way we're living. And we can't always blame others or external circumstances either. You know, sometimes we do that, we say, oh, I, I, I have a problem with this person, so that's, that's why I'm very stressed. Or, uh, not making much money at the moment or I've got a lot of debts, that's why I'm stressed. And maybe that's the sort of s circumstance you're in, but the real source may, of the suffering in, or stress may be much deeper, maybe your own state of mind, your own actions, and maybe not reflecting much on what you're doing and the fruits and the results of what you're doing. We can see that, maybe say, just take a relationship there, a husband and wife, you know, very easy over time, we can uh, lose our way, we can end up in bad habits of behavior with each other, sometimes you know, we're careless with our speech, don't show enough love or respect to each other, sometimes we can become a bit cold or insensitive, bored with each other, and we reflect that maybe once for a, or, or twice is a small thing, but if it's over time builds up, then we can end up in an unhappy relationship maybe. Or as I was talking about yesterday, you know, how you manage your money, that's karma, isn't it? If you end up living beyond your means, constantly spending and not saving enough and always getting into debt, then that's a karma that gradually catches up with you and it weighs down on you in your daily life. You, know, you don't feel very happy when you're in debt. If it's a big debt, then it's a big burden. There's many areas where little by little we can make karma, you might say negative karma, which will bring its result back. If we never stop and look at these things, uh, look, at, look at the way we're living, the way we re relate to others, the ch decisions we make, then we can, we can create a lot of suffering. And we can be, you can see in the world, you know, we were talking about looking, do we need to look at the news? Well, you can learn a lot from the news, you just keep your eyes and your ears open and you see the results of people's karma when you look at the news. So you can see people can make good karma, whether they're very poor or very rich, man, woman, young, old, they can make very good karma and this will bring them happiness or people can make very bad karma 
whether they're young, old, poor, rich, whatever their background, you know, we make karma, individuals make karma, whatever their background, we're making karma and can be good and bad, it's, it's up to that individual to consider for themselves the, the actions they're making and the fruits. And say so when you watch the news, you're sort of like a fly on the wall just seeing the fruits of people's karma, what happens to them. You know, usually it's bad news, that's what most of the news is. So you're seeing more of the fruits of people's bad karma. Occasionally they slip in an item that's you know, good, good karma, somebody's made some good karma. But most of it's bad karma. And you, but you can learn from that. So, mm, this is what happens when you get caught into greed, caught into anger. I remember when I lived in Thailand, you know, once in a while there'd be some strange news stories which seemed to really illustrate this. There's one, there's a monastery I knew in Ayutthaya and nearby had a marketplace. And one day there was this fight in the marketplace uh, between this man and this woman, both middle-aged and they weren't related. And it was over a vegetable, the Thais will know it, it's called pakbung. It's just a little kind of vegetable, um, leafy vegetable that grows in ponds and swamps. And this man, he used to, he's very poor, he used to make his living going to a certain pond, which was actually government land, nobody, but nobody had built on it, just kind of vacant land where there was a pond, and he'd collect this leafy vegetable every day, take it to the market and sell it in little bundles and just make enough money to survive, not much. He did that every day, year in, year out. And one day, a lady, similar sort of age, in her 40s, she saw, oh, this is a good opportunity to make a bit of money and there's no owner to this land or the government owns it, this man doesn't own it, so I can go and take these leaves as well. And you, you might say legally, well, perhaps they're both wrong, but neither had the right to that pond. But because the man had been collecting the leaves for many, many years, he'd become very attached to it. It was my pond, my leaves, my income. And the lady was like moving in on his territory, even though it wasn't his territory. And so they had an argument and because for him this was his whole livelihood, the man got very, very angry. And the woman felt that she had a right, just as much right as him. So they had this big argument in the marketplace. Then they became violent. In the end, the man killed the woman in the middle of the fight. And so the headline in the newspaper was, Man Kills Woman Over Pakbung. And you know, if you live in Thailand, you don't kill someone over pakbung. It's just you know, like killing somebody over a bit of grass, a blade of grass. <laughs> and yet people can do that. When they get very attached, very worked up, very angry, they can uh, have a fight and kill, themselves, kill somebody over something very small. The karma can be like that, can't it? Without realizing we can end up following our negative tendencies, our greed, our anger, and end up making some very serious uh, negative karma.
So we have to keep looking at our minds and looking at the way we're living and see where, where we need to work, where we need to practice. So this quality of being able to stop and reflect on things, review things, this is how we learn from karma. And the Buddha said to his young son, Rahula, when he first teaching his son to reflect on karma, so it's a, it's a habit, a good habit you get into always reflecting, thinking carefully before you do anything, before you say anything, before you do anything in life. Always think first, is this really going to be beneficial or harmful to me, to others? But don't just leave it there when you decided to do something and you're doing that thing, that act. Think again, is this really beneficial or is this harmful? You, you assess, you review it as you're doing it. And then one, one more time after you've done that act, that thing, said that thing, done that thing, review it one more time. Was that really beneficial or harmful? And get into that habit every day, every time, you know, when you're talking about your job, family, relationships, the things you do in your life, get into the habit of reviewing. Is this really good, really good for me, for others, or is it harmful? A very simple way of training yourself, but if you train yourself like this, you develop this kind of skillful habit, it can save you a lot of trouble, a lot of unhappiness, and maybe others as well save a lot of unhappiness. Because you become very careful, very mindful of your behavior. Even just thoughts that come up, you know, thinking, you know, I'm, you catch yourself thinking in a certain way, is this really helpful and beneficial or not? We learn, learn to review our behavior in this way. And this is just as much as meditation, as vipassana, insight meditation, or uh, Anapanasati, all these different techniques we're talking about. Just learning to review the quality of one's karma that is, one is making from day to day. The result is that you, you become very careful and you're training your mind little by little. You're weeding out the negative tendencies, the negative karmic tendencies which cause us stress and unhappiness. And you're learning to be skillful in, in knowing your own mind, in knowing what you're thinking, knowing is it really helpful, conducive to happiness or not. And we have to really learn to be honest and clear with ourselves. So it takes time, it's a skill one has to, to practice that. But through experience one gets better at being clear with oneself and oh this is something I've got to I've got to work on this, I've got to change this. You know, if it is say to do with other people, you know, our relationships with our parents or with our siblings or our husband and wife or our children, you know, we have to be able to look at our, our minds and say, hmm, am I really thinking skillfully here or acting skillfully towards this person. We have to be able, sometimes be able to sit down and, and, and make that reflection so that we can stop ourselves getting, you know, sometimes creating a lot of unhappiness with others 
uh, bad feeling and so on. Sometimes through our desires, it's more through our greed, we want to get something and we, we can't get it yet, so we're frustrated. Other times it's uh, what they've done, maybe they've done something to us and we're holding on to it. Either way, uh, we have to learn how, how to be able to review uh, on a regular basis how we relate to other people. This is, this is sila, isn't it? This is how, how we learn to live harmoniously and at peace with others. You see, if you do this, you'll notice that sometimes we get into just habitual ways of thinking. So you, somebody you're familiar with, someone you live with, a parent or a partner or a child of yours, you can often get into a habit of always reacting to them in a certain way. You know, when they do something you don't like, you react with some aversion, some anger, and especially if it's over time, because you're living together and it's happening repeatedly, well, you'll notice you start to get maybe even physical symptoms of stress and tension because of this relationship. Every time you say something because you're angry or they say something because ang they're angry, you, know, you feel tense, you hear their words or you say your words, tension comes. And over time, it can actually just become your normal way of being. So we get lots of... Uh, physical illness associated with stress, with tension, just from relationships which people haven't been really um, looking how to improve or how to, to repair maybe a damaged relationship. So over time, just every time you think of that person, there's tension, you know, physical pain, as well as mental, stressful thinking, negative thinking. You know, it's very, very common in our society now. If you ask doctors, uh, and nurses in clinics, hospitals, you know, it's a huge area in our society. Uh, negativity and depression, stress-related illnesses, which have symptoms both physical as well as mental. And when you come to meditate sometimes, people notice they have strange pains and stresses in their body. They're not quite sure where it's come from at first, but they're just noticing it because they're quiet and they're meditating. But then over time, they maybe start to be able to see more clearly what well, may be related to a certain issue in their life, some uh, disappointment or some anger towards a person maybe. It's very common. We have to see, we have to be able to work with that to free our, free our minds and even our physical health from, from that negative karma. And how are we going to do that? We have to make the connection, recognize if you keep thinking negatively about somebody, you're suffering. Physically you're suffering, mentally you're suffering. Whatever that person is like, they're good to you, bad to you, indifferent to you, that's a separate issue, that's their, their karma. Where you relate to them, that's your karma. And if you keep thinking negatively towards somebody, especially someone you live with, you're close to, that builds up a very powerful mental state. It becomes a memory, a habit of mind and a memory. It can even have its physical symptoms. And you know, that's suffering, isn't it? That's something we can address if we're willing to look more carefully at our own minds and then maybe start to cure our own minds, heal our own minds, applying the right remedies, which might be, first of all, 
calming down enough, learning to calm yourself down enough to see what's going on, and then starting to redirect your mental energy. So if you have negative thoughts towards another person, you will start to bring up more of a sense of tolerance and forgiveness and compassion, understanding for that person. And you have to really see this is healing yourself as much as helping the other person. If we're angry, like the Buddha said, if somebody uh, does something unkind to us, cruel to us, you know, obviously it's bad, it's not good, but if we react with anger and we seek revenge from, on that person, the Buddha said we're more foolish than them. That's something we should think about. Why are we more foolish than then? If somebody's angry and does something bad to you, and you see that, you know that, the thing to do is not do the same back to them. The wise thing to do is not, not react in the same way, not seek revenge. It's the fool who just says, well, they did that to me, now I'm going to do that, this to them. And we, you know, at the very least, we think angry thoughts directed to the person, and often it leads to speech, speech leads to speech and leads to actions against them. We seek revenge, seek to harm them or just have a go at them in some way. But we're actually more foolish than them because we can see, oh, they've been angry to us, they've done something to us. You know, at that point, that's the point to actually say, well, this is karma, this, this, this karma I'm experiencing, if I make this do this back to them then it's actually prolonging the whole thing it's feeding the fire and it will produce more of this same anger coming back in my direction and that's karma isn't it cause and result it's a very difficult point to see sometimes because you know when you're angry you don't think straight often mind is very upset agitated and we we tend not to to see things very clearly so it's good if you do notice you've got some anger towards somebody and it's really something you're holding on to in your mind, then to find quiet times where you can sit down and really look and reflect for yourself. Even in the heat of the moment, you know, if you have anger towards someone you live with and you're always seeing them and you get angry, you find skillful ways to at least temporarily walk away from the situation uh, hold your breath, count to ten, all those kind of techniques where you can at least just restrain your anger rather than feed it and act on it. And then when you're quiet on your own, then just really reflect, this anger is not helping me, it's not, help, it's not helping them, but it's not helping me. You're the one suffering when you're ang angry. So we say when you contemplate karma like this, you're taking responsibility for your own actions. And obviously there are certain things we might have to do. And if you have problems with another person, well, maybe you also have to talk to them or find good ways to improve the relationship if you can. But more important is working on yourself because that's where your suffering is arising. You're the one who is feeling the anger. You're the one experiencing tension and pain in your body maybe. All of these things, this is the karma that has come up because of negative states of mind that you're still holding on to. 
Now, obviously, if it's a very deeply ingrained habit, it takes a long time to work through it to heal that. But you know, that's the way to go, isn't it? The only way we can go is to keep working on letting go of this anger, recognizing it, letting it go, working on developing uh, forgiveness and tolerance. Um, whatever method brings up a sense of releasing the mind from holding on to the negative thoughts directed to that person. Sometimes we just direct the mind to think of the good that that person's done or the good in them or even just the potential for good. <laughs> Maybe we, we don't know anything good about that person so at least, well, perhaps they still have the potential for good just as we have a potential for good. Uh, other times you maybe just have to be honest and say, well, they have their good side as well as their bad side. But what you're doing is healing your own mind. And you're, you, when you're letting go of anger, you're little by little freeing your mind from suffering. When you do that regularly, well, the results come. Physically, you feel better. If you get in the habit of letting go of anger, not indulging it, not following it, not holding on to it, you know, little by little your body feels better. Some of that pain tension Im improves, uh, you know, it diminishes, get, uh, gets less. You have a, if you want the sort of technical terms, you have chemical changes going in on, in your body because if you have anger, you get certain chemicals and hormones come out. You get the adrenaline, adrenaline and the uh, hormones and chemicals associated with stress. But when you're managing to let go of the origin of your stress, the negative thoughts, the anger, what's replacing it is the more positive hormones and chemicals. So your body starts to feel more relaxed, more happy in itself because you're letting go. So physically you feel better and then mentally there's a sense of um, shifting a big weight off your mind. And this can often, often it takes you know, maybe years of, of work. It's not necessarily something you can do overnight. So that's why we call it practice. You know, keep reflecting back on your state of mind and seeing where you're holding on to negative thoughts which are causing you suffering. Just keep seeing that, keep learning, keep doing, applying the technique of letting go, giving up, not paying attention, not getting interested in those thoughts, not feeding them, not building them up into something big, not dwelling on them. You know, when we, when we have no mindfulness, we'll just think, oh, the angry thoughts, all the bad things we can think about that person. Even less mindfulness will say all the bad things we can say. Even less mindfulness will do things to harm them. But the more mindfulness we develop, well, you restrain your external behavior and then you restrain internally as well. You get back to a point where your mind is free from those thoughts. The body starts to feel relaxed, the mind feels relaxed. And if you can do it once, say with one person over one issue, then you can apply that same technique very quickly and easily in many, many other situations because you've been through it before, you've learned, you've gained that experience. And you know, oh, I got angry before with that guy. I'm not going to get angry this time. It's not worth it. Too much suffering. Why bother? <laughs> Why bother getting angry over this? It's not worth it. 
because you've seen it, you've seen the suffering of it. So I've been talking a little bit about karma today, and particularly with uh, respect to anger, and how often we can have a lot of cumulative anger, you know, building up habits of negative thinking that when we start to look at it as karma that affects our life, affects our sense of well-being, we can see the important thing is to keep catching ourselves, catching the thoughts, catching the speech, the actions, and start to let go of that, change the direction. And this is what we call Dharma practice, letting go of greed, letting go of anger, freeing the mind from these negative stressful states which cause us suffering. The Buddha showed us that it can be done, all the practitioners since the time of the Buddha, monks, nuns, men, women, everybody who has practiced has shown, well, this does work, it's a, it's a system or a, a way of practice that can, can work. Human beings can do this. Now, the Buddha always said he wouldn't teach anything that people can't do. So it is possible to free yourself from anger, free yourself from greed and attachment, free yourself from delusion. We can do that. But we, we have to be willing to, to do the practice. And this is where we take the Buddhist teachings more deeply into our hearts, into our daily lives. And we can free ourselves from much, much suffering. So for today I'll just say this much and uh, wish you all well in your practice and you can carry on sitting and walking meditation.